Just then, a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honour your father and mother, and love your neighbour as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go, sell your positions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Peter answered him, We have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake, will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. My name's uh, Carl, I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, if you're visiting here today, it's great to have you with us. Uh, We're going to pray and then ask for God's blessing uh, on uh, this word as we try to understand it let's pray dear lord and heavenly father we thank you so much for your grace uh, to us in jesus lord we thank you that uh, you've made yourself known to us through him and uh, and you've made known uh, to us yourself through uh, your words in the bible and uh, lord as we think about those now we ask that you would give us understanding of uh, who you are and uh, the world that you've made and what it means to live uh, in relationship with you lord we ask it for jesus sake Amen. At the, uh, at the moment, we're working through a uh, survey series, as Margaret said, and we've been asking people, uh, what do you live for? Uh, and then we've listened to the responses that people have given and then have been thinking about what the Bible has to say about some of those uh, top responses. Last week, we looked at happiness. Uh, next week, we're looking at virtue, uh, to live a virtuous life. Uh, and then the week after that, we're living, uh, talking about living for fun, or if you like, living for the moment is really a better kind of way of putting it. Today, we're thinking about uh, living for family, and maybe unsurprisingly, that's the, uh, the highest response or the biggest response that we got when we asked people what they live for. About one-third of people said that they lived for family, uh, and there was about twice as many people who said that they lived for family as uh, said that they lived for anything else. 
whether that's living for children or grandchildren or just for our family more generally, it was clearly the top response. It's clearly the key thing, uh, one of the main things that people live for. And I think when you look around and when you look at the lives of the people around you and look at your own life, I think that for many of us, that's true. Many of us live for our families. Uh, if you're a parent, looking after your children is something that takes up a lot of time. It takes up uh, a lot of effort. It takes up a lot of emotional energy as well. Uh, you want your children to do well. You want them to succeed. You want to, them to thrive. You want them to fulfill their dreams, maybe. Uh, you want them maybe to fulfill the dreams uh, that you had for yourself that you didn't quite get around uh, to fulfilling. That's why I'd never had any children, because I fulfilled all the dreams in my life. Uh, maybe I would have been the greatest parent ever, but uh, because of that, not really. But, it, but it's true, isn't it? We, we, we can so easily live for, uh, uh, for those things, and they're, and they're good things, but they, be, they come to dominate our lives. Lots of people, too, live for family in other ways, uh, whether it's uh, just uh, catching up with family regularly, whether it's a weekly family dinner or the family holidays or family birthdays. Uh, what we do with family is kind of the top priority for what we do during the week. It's the number one thing that we have on our weekly agenda. And even if you don't have a family... Uh, you can still end up living for family as well, can't you? That is, you can end up living for the family that you don't have, end up living for the family that you wish you had, end up grieving the, the family that you do have and wanting the family that others have. You can spend your whole life planning to try and get the family that you wish that you had. For many of us, I think, and for many of the people that we know, family is near the top of the list of what we live for. But the question that we want to think about today is, what does the Bible have to say about that? What does the Bible have to say about family? Well, at one level, the story that we read, that Caleb read for us, uh, seems to have very little to do with family uh, at its heart. A man comes to Jesus, he asks Jesus what good thing he needs to do to get eternal life. Uh, to get in good with God. What does he need to do? Jesus says that he should keep the commandments. He lists some of them. Verse 18, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honour your father and mother, love your neighbour as yourself. And the man says to Jesus, well, I've done that. I've done those things. I haven't murdered, I haven't committed adultery, I haven't stolen anything. In other words, he thinks to himself, I've lived a pretty good life and so God should be pretty happy with me. There's obviously some kind of degree of uncertainty in this man because he comes to Jesus with that question. He's not, he's not convinced. There must be something else, Jesus, that I need to do to get eternal life. There's something missing. And Jesus says, well, yes, actually, there is something missing. Jesus has kind of kept his powder dry, if you like, uh, he knows that there's something missing in this man's life, which isn't good, and he didn't mention it in the first list. He kind of lulled him into a false sense of security by not mentioning it. But now Jesus says to this man, he says in verse 21, he says, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. That's it, that's all you have to do. Sell your possessions, give to the poor, come follow me. 
And we're told by the writer of this biography of Jesus, Matthew, we're told that this man went away sad. He was rich and he couldn't give up the things that he had. It's extraordinary, really, isn't it? Uh, It's such a simple task at one level uh, and such a simple win. (laughs) Eternal life. Life after death. But he can't give up the things that he has and receive Jesus. Well, we might think to ourselves, well, I'm glad that I'm not like that. I don't live for money because I think most, you know, most of us kind of recognize that greed isn't good uh, and, you know, we sort of, we're astute enough to, to recognize that. But the problem here is that Jesus isn't just addressing money in fact, this test goes much deeper. Jesus, uh, after Jesus tests this man, Peter says, Jesus, we've left everything to follow you. And that everything that they've left includes father and mother and sister and brother and fields and everything else. You see, this man's inability to give up his money is not the problem, but it's just the symptom of the problem. The problem is not money. The problem is that God is not first in his heart. Money is first in his heart. What what do you want? Do you want God first or do you want the money? Will you come and follow me? Will you come and follow God, Jesus says, or will you keep what you have in your hand? But Jesus could have said to the man, if it had been the key issue in his life, what will you put first? God... Or family? What will you put first? Will you come and follow me and give all that up? Are you willing to let go of that? To follow me? The dreams that you have for your family? The dreams that you have for your children? The dreams that you have for your husband or wife? The dreams that you have for for marriage? Maybe you're not even married yet. But you're living every day for that great hope, shaping your life around that promise of a life with somebody else. Jesus says, will you give that up and come and follow me? It seems an extraordinarily high call, doesn't it? Jesus says, though, another time to his disciples... If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. (laughs) Giving up money we can cope with. You know, hating money. (laughs) But family? Even our own life? What's Jesus talking about? First, it needs to be said that God made family. God doesn't hate family. (laughs) God made it. Family is not wrong in and of itself. Family is a gift from God. But Jesus is saying, if whatever it is, if it's family that comes above God, then you've got to let go of it. If we're hanging on to anything else other than God, we can't hang on to God 
if our hands are full of family or money or whatever it is of our own lives, if we're hanging on to that, we can't hang on to God. This man came to Jesus thinking that getting eternal life was within his grasps, that, 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 that he would be on good terms with God. But Jesus says it's not possible for him. He can't do it. It's not within his grasp. Jesus says we need God to do the impossible. We need God to rescue us. It's as though, Jesus says, we're at the bottom of a pit. You know, we're stranded at the bottom of a pit. And we can't climb our way out. We can't get out. The only hope is that somebody from the top lowers down a rope that we can grab onto and they can pull us out of it. And down at the bottom of that pit is all the things that make up our life. Our house, our work, our money, and our family. And if we're hanging on to those things, we don't have any hands free left to grab onto that rope. We can only hold on to one thing at a time. We can hang on to God with both hands. Or we can hang on to our family and lose God. The only hope is that we let go of that and grab on to God. To let go of family and to take hold of Jesus is a big call. But uh, in the words of one Christian ministry, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. So the only way to gain eternal life is to let go of everything, money, even family, and grab hold of God with, in Jesus with both hands. Uh, but to try and understand uh, how that fits uh, with giving up family, how it's helpful to understand the Bible's big idea, the big story, the Bible's big story about family. You see, as I said before, family is not something that God hates. Family is something that God has made, something that God has created. In the first chapters of the Bible, we read that God created uh, men and women, he created human beings, he created marriage and family, he gave uh, them as good gifts to us. Uh, having made the first man, God said, it's not good for, for man to be alone, it's not, it's not good, I'll, I'll, I'll create a, a, a relational family, a, a context uh, for society, for families and marriage and for people uh, to grow together. But family is not just something that God invented. The, the God of the Bible is, is a God for whom family is actually part of his very nature. The God of the Bible is one God, but three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That might blow our minds, but kind of at the, at the heart of that idea is a family relationship. That within God himself, there is family there's this, especially the relationship between the Father and the Son. So when God made us as family people, He was making us in His image. The first chapter of the Bible uh, tells us, God having uh, about to create man, He says, uh, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Let's make them like us. The, the, the us-ness there is... The, is relational. The image in which we've been made of God is a relational image. It's other things as well, but it's also relational. 
God made us to relate in family because he's a family God. The problem is that that image, that familiness, was broken and messed up and turned upside down when we stepped away from God, when we decided to go our own way. We let go of God and started grabbing on to other, other things. And when we did that, that family image that God implanted in our hearts got turned upside down. And so our lives are not what they're supposed to be. Our families are not what they're supposed to be. They experience brokenness and strife. And our relationship with God is not what it ought to be. We've lost access to the very heart of family life, which is God himself. And because of that, every other relationship has broken apart as well. But the message of the Bible is that God sent Jesus into the world to deal with that family brokenness and to bring us even closer into God's family. Jesus came so that we might be uh, brought into God's family as his own children. On the night before he went to the cross, the night before he was brutally murdered on a Roman cross, Jesus prayed this prayer. He said, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus prays for this deep unity between us and God. It's a deep unity between us and God which is similar but different to the relationship that the Father has with the Son. That is, it's a family relationship that Jesus is praying for. The unity that Jesus prayed for as he went to a Roman cross to be murdered, the unity that he was praying for on the other side of that was our unity in God's family. This is what one of Jesus' disciples wrote later on. He said, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. What's the great love that the Father has lavished on us? That we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The Bible talks about us being adopted into God's family through Jesus. That invitation has come at a huge cost. It, it's come at the cost of Jesus' life. Jesus died so that we who were far away from God, we were, who were estranged from God, we had a broken family relationship with God, Jesus died so that that could be put right. So that we could be brought in. So that we could be adopted into the family. That's why it's impossible for us to gain eternal life. Because it's not something that we can do. There's no good work that we can do to gain it. What we have to do is take hold of that life in Jesus. But we can't take hold of it unless we let go of everything else. But when we let go of everything else, we get the thing that so often we want. The family that we so desperately desire. We get called into God's family when we put our trust in Jesus. He becomes our father, Jesus becomes our brother, and we become God's child. 
Well, our human family relationships are precious, aren't they? They're gifts from God. And even if our family relationships are not in great shape, we know that they are precious gifts because we can see how meaningful they are in the lives of others and we look on with longing at what others have and what we don't have. They're precious gifts. But they're just a shadow of something better. And when we hang on to those shadows and keep God at arm's length, we actually kill off those family relationships because we're holding at arm's length the very source of family life, God himself. And when we hang on to those family relationships, we kill them as well because they can't give us everything that we want from them. Ultimately, what we're seeking from our family relationships is something that we can only be found, only find in God. No human being can bear the weight of our worship. It's supposed to be properly centered in God. No human being can bear the weight of the fullness of our love. No human being can can bear the weight of our expectations, everything that, that we hope and long for. We try to find that in our family and they can't give it to us. And so we become bitter and angry, desperate, resentful, or we put more and more pressure on them and suck them dry, suck the life out of them because they can't, they can't live up to our expectations. What we so desperately long for in our family, we can only find in God. Maybe it's love that you, that you long for, to be loved by others or to have somebody to love. Maybe that's your great, great hope, your great dream. Families can be great places to find love, but they'll never give us the, the deepest and the most profound love that we need. But God can give us that. God can give us that family love, fully and completely. We can love him fully, knowing that he won't steal our love, that he won't let us down, that he won't break our hearts. There's no risk in loving God. There's risk in loving other people. There's no risk in loving God. Maybe what you long for is security, to know that there'll always be someone who look, who'll who look after you. I often think about that. I'm the youngest in my family, not as young as I used to be. I'm the youngest in my family, and, and so it's relatively likely that as I get toward the end of my life, if I, if I live to be 70 or 80, it's likely that by then many of my family members will have died. My parents will have died. My brothers and sisters may well have died by then. I have no wife. I have no family. Who will look after me? So often we look to family for that security, don't we? Whether it's that or whether it's for that security now. Who will we rely on? Well, the answer to that question is God. God will always be there. God we can always trust. We'll always be part of God's family. 
even if our family around us passes away here. So Jesus says to this man, he says to us, we can only gain eternal life, we can only know God if we let go of everything else, even family, and grab hold of God in Jesus. And when we actually do that, we gain the most precious family, we gain the family of God. But the family of God, Jesus explains finally, is not just Father, Son and Spirit. The family of God includes the other followers of Jesus as well. When Peter says they've left everything to follow Jesus, uh, Jesus says to him uh, that, that, that they won't be disappointed. Verse 29, and everyone who has left houses, brothers, sisters, father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Jesus promises that whatever we give up, we'll receive far more, not just in eternity, not just in the next life, but even now. You see, it turns out that all the things that we don't want to let go of at the bottom of the pit, all those things that look so attractive to us there at the bottom, when we grab hold of that rope and we're pulled out, it turns out that there's a crowd at the top waiting for us to embrace us into the family of God. We look at these small treasures that we have here and we think, I can't possibly let go of that. But at the top there is this great, great treasure, a storehouse of God's blessing for those who take hold of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus calls us to put him above our family and when we do that, we find an even bigger family. People who are not related to us by blood, but related to us by faith. And we may well find, in God's grace, that many of our family will be there as well. We may find, in God's grace, that that is true. But we need to let go of that in order to find God's grace in Jesus. Well, you, uh, like me, might not have a family of your own. Uh, You might not have a husband or a wife or children. You may not have any brothers or sisters who are still uh, living. Your parents may have died. Uh, But Jesus promises that there's far more than those things in the family of God. There's God himself and there's brothers and sisters who know and love Jesus Christ. And I think there are people here uh, this morning who can probably testify to that people who don't have family anymore, people who maybe are estranged from their family, but people who have found mothers and brothers and sisters in this church, in other churches or in other places. I was talking to someone uh, last week after church uh, and, uh, and we had a great conversation uh, and at the end uh, I could just say, can I give you a hug? They were upset in all the places. Uh, and it was, I thought, well, isn't that great? What a family of God that we can do that, that we can be joined in that way. Let me tell you how true that has been in my own experience to discover those great gifts of people. I think of, uh, I've probably said before, uh, Mary, who I was at Bible College with, who was like another mother, uh, or Sally, uh, where I lived in Canberra who was always making sure that I was looking after myself. Uh, And brothers and sisters in Christ who ring and ask how things are going. Uh, I have no family here and maybe you're in the same situation. But I do have a family of God 
a rich and wonderful family of God. And that's what Jesus promises. He promises that when we, when we let go of our natural family, we actually find an even greater spiritual relationship with those who know and love Jesus. Well, Jesus calls us not to put anything before God, not even family, but that's not because God doesn't love family. God made family and he made us for family. But he made us most of all for his family, the family of God. A family of God which extends from Father, Son and Holy Spirit to those brothers and sisters who know and love Jesus Christ. Well, if you don't know that family uh, and you're not part of that family, then let me invite you this morning uh, to become part of that family by receiving Jesus. And if you are part of that family, then let me encourage you to give thanks this morning for brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, for a heavenly Father, and for a glorious older brother, the Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we uh, come to you uh, with empty hands. Lord, we want to let go of everything that stands between us and you. Lord, we thank you for the many good gifts that you have given to us. Lord, uh, especially for the gift of family. Uh, for those of us, Lord, who've enjoyed uh, a blessed family life with loving parents and loving brothers and sisters, Lord, we thank you for that, for that great gift. But Lord, we also want to acknowledge that so often the good gifts that you give to us, we turn into ultimate things. Uh, Lord, they become the most important thing in our life, the thing that we live for rather than living for you. And Lord, we ask that you'd forgive us for that uh, and that you'd help us to let go of those things, uh, not because they're not good, but because knowing and loving you is better and knowing and loving you is what we were made for. Lord, help us to take hold of the Lord Jesus Christ who died so that we might be adopted into your family. For those of us who've received that, Lord, we thank you and we ask that you would open our eyes to the rich blessings that have come to us through that, through the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, for those here this morning, perhaps who have not taken hold of Jesus, Lord, we ask that you would work in their hearts so wonderfully that they would see the greater glory of your family. Uh, they might give up what they have here in order to be welcomed uh, into the family of God. Lord, we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.